0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad, and an important breakthrough was achieved in Cork uh, recently. And it presents new hope for people with cancer, and that is for colorectal, gastric, and osteophyll. And I've gotten that all mangled and it'll be corrected. And breakthrough cancer research. They announced this new cancer that they research That has unlocked the key to why some cancer cells resistant to chemotherapy. And uh, this is something that's very important, particularly if you're at my stage in life where you have gray hair and for males, particularly where uh, we uh, are uh, prone to be a prostate and colorectal and other cancers. So I'm keenly interested in this. And I have Orla Dolan with me, who is the CEO of Breakthrough Cancer Research and consultant oncologist, Professor James O'Reilly, who is based at Cork University Hospital and the Mercy University Hospital. Uh, Thank you both for coming along. And uh, Orla, uh, can we start and tell us, give us a little bit of the background here and tell us a bit about Breakthrough Cancer Research.
1: Um, well, look, we're a cancer research charity that invests in research as the way we feel more people will be able to survive a cancer diagnosis. Um, we tend to focus on those cancers that are considered poor prognosis that maybe don't have good solutions and good treatments available to them now and um, often have survival rates below 25 or 20 percent. Um, you know, the good news is that research means um, and progress because of that means we have huge amount of people surviving cancer now and depending on the type of cancer, testicular cancer would have a survival rate of ninety nine percent, prostate would be ninety four to ninety seven breast is in the upper 80s early 90% for five-year survival so that is amazing progress that has been made by the research and clinical community over 50-60 years but you have other cancers esophageal pancreatic that just haven't seen the same level I mean they're more difficult they're often diagnosed late when the cancer is spread and so uh, I suppose we invest in, in translational research is what we would call. So we want clinicians and scientists working together to come up with solutions to the cancers that are not doing as well and find ways to overcome the clinical challenges. And, and that's kind of where this story starts because um, you know, in this, it's a really great example of clinicians like Seamus working in a hospital setting with researchers in a lab, like in a university academic setting who have different expertise they're bringing together, but they're they passionately want to do something better for patients. So they're trying to overcome that. And and in this case, it was um, looking at why certain cancers, you know, some people respond well to chemotherapy and others might look like they respond only for the cancer to reoccur. And, you know, getting patient samples and giving them to the researchers and having them look at them under the microscope and see they're actually even reacting differently to the to the drugs that are in their presence, gave them a pathway to pursue. And when they went down that pathway, they figured that they found out that the ones that seemed to be able to recur after chemotherapy were doing that because While every cell in your body has a job to do, um, it normally turns on an auto-destruct sequence called apoptosis. And that's how those cells die. It's a kind of a programmed type of cell death. And most drugs are designed to shove you down that pathway. But these cancers actually have evolved past that. They don't actually have that machinery anymore. And instead, they're using a different process, which is kind of common for cells to use to then actually um, repair and recycle any damage that's caused. So they're hijacking that process to repair any damage and recycle cell components um, that have been damaged by chemotherapy only for when the chemo drug is um, removed for them to be able to repopulate. And so the great thing was, you know, this is coming from a situation where the treatment might be failing patients, finding out what's happening, understanding the mechanisms at play, and then trying to find a combination or some sort of way of tackling that issue. And so the great announcement today, which has gone into trial and she must be able to talk more about that, is they tested a whole load of different combinations and they came up with one that uses lithium, which is a drug that's kind of been used in other health situations before. And that lithium was able to block that mechanism by which the cells were using to kind of repair and recycle. And so, therefore, make the chemotherapy that's there in its presence more effective and stop the cells being able to recover. And so that's what their kind of discovery was. I think what's wonderful is you need to understand what's happening to them, but then come up with a solution to that. And this is this is that, you know, I mean, this obviously is going into the patient side now but it's, it's not just saying this is what's going wrong. It's also saying this is how we think we can overcome that. And I think that's amazing. Where we as a, an organization or a charity is, you know, these the amount of testing and discovery that has to happen before you get to even a trial stage is, is significant, multiple, multiple years. And they have to keep focusing on, they hope a patient will benefit at the end. What we do then is we, you know, with the public support through donations, we're able to then channel that into programs we think that will help patients and keep it going for, you know, tens of years at times because we feel like it's going to have an outcome in the end. And so I suppose that's where we kind of fit in is making sure that they have the funds to keep it going until they get the result they hope for in the end.
0: Orla, well, uh, a question uh, that I remember thinking about some time back and it was as we were be- using more and more DNA and DNA was being studied, I heard it being said that our, our drug programs could be individualized based on our DNA. Based on what you guys do and the understanding of the impact of a cancer within the body, and then trying to hit on that, does any of that kind of research fall under your umbrella?
1: I mean, certainly, you know, cancer is a genetic disease in that it's a buildup of multiple mutations. That's a thing that makes it difficult because it's not one thing. There are some where you can have like a hereditary gene. But in many cases, people are getting cancer as they're older, as mistakes build up in your body and all these mutations come together to do it. The other thing, I mean, so we need genetic information because that's part of the story. But if you look at what they talk about now for personalized medicine I mean, you know, and Seamus can speak to this better than I can. You know, you're looking at a, something in the context of a whole body interacting together. So when you look at things when they're going forward and we're involved in something called Precision Oncology Ireland as well, they're looking at what, you know, what's happening at the genetic level, what's happening with the immune system, what's happening with bacteria in your body and how all those things are interacting to give a profile so that you might get a completely different um, type of treatment plan based on what's happening with you at an individual level so the challenge with cancer is that it's not monolithic it's very different from patient to patient often and um, based on not just the genetics but what's happening with you know people whether they have a strong immune reaction or not whether they have other things going on in their health whether you know the bacteria profile in your body can actually influence chemo up and down so you have to understand that whole totality of it so what they're doing, what some modern kind of research now is, is to take all of that data and we're swimming with data sometimes and turn that into, I like to call this, it comes from a different area, but like actionable intelligence, like there's no good in having all this information if it doesn't help you make better, you know, clinical decisions or give you targets to go after as a research community and say, this is relevant or that's relevant and that's why we should go after it. So.
0: Right, right. Seamus? Um, Trying to pick it up there. And before so, you do, I should stress. I see that you're a graduate of um, you, you did your studies in Galway. Um, yes. And, and while I claim my Cork side, you know, I'm, I'm a native Galway person. So, uh, and I know the the um, graduates from UCG or as it is NUIG are exceptional. And, and that's why they. That's what. That's that's why they filter out the rest of the the country. <laughs> um. Uh, thank you. Yes. No. Um.
2: Uh, uh. Galway, born and bred, and uh, and 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 and, and her family, um, living there. Um. So, uh, um. Or- Orla Orla has synthesised a lot of 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 uh, the the background behind this. So the, um, the observation was. Carried out in the, uh, in the lab that uh, these cancer cells were more sensitive to uh, chemotherapy when lithium was present, uh, has prompted this study in patients now, which has just started. So the first phase of any investigation is to make sure that it's safe to combine things. So uh, we're at that safety stage at the moment, uh, looking at uh, combining um, lithium with a, 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 an available chemotherapy that's very easy. That's in a drip form and tablet form, and uh, uh, with two commonly available drugs, which aren't pat, which are off patent, so are widely available globally, and that was really important to us because, uh, uh, unfortunately, cancer medicine, has seen enormous advances in the last twenty years, thirty years, um, but the elephant in the room with any advance that's mentioned at our at our cancer meetings is the cost of it, um, and uh, uh, so. The standard for a drug that you add to a to a new chemo to an old chemotherapy regimen is in Ireland. It's four thousand euros a month, um, and the government pays for that in our jurisdiction. But ultimately, the taxpayer pays for it, and the state pays for it with the opportunity cost of it. It, it also means that the that the if there's a development, it's, it's irrelevant to most of the world's population uh, because um, the cost for one month here is could be the equivalent of. Not just one year salary there but several years salary there um so uh, um the advantage of what we're doing if it proves to be true is that it will enable a a, a development of a of a of a of a treatment that's effect- that's that's globally applicable so um we talk about the advance in cancer medicine but uh, advances are irrelevant if you if it's not if it's not uh, possible to receive it and um so they, they uh, um, i i think when the history of the development of cancer therapeutics in the last 3 decades is written in the future uh, we will wonder why things were so expensive and 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 how much more impact our developments could have had if they were more affordable and i we ha- i have colleagues in canada where i know that this is also a, you know the issue of of cost and availability of drugs is also an issue as well um they, um, so we're at a very early stage with this. We have uh, a, a Orla's involved with Breakthrough in Cork. We're also involved with cancer research at UCC. And we've partnered with other groups. So the, the Irish Cancer Society, for instance, have uh, helped fund the study. And the study has been conducted through the Cancer Trials Ireland, which is a national cancer trials group. Um, so I think it's really important that uh, groups collaborate, I think sometimes there's a, a feeling of of charities competing because everybody's looking for the same uh, uh, uh traction in our communities uh, but collaboration is the engine of change and when charities combine it's not just additive it's multiplicative um and i th- i think it it's it's much more beneficial it's always it's like anything else in life it's it's easy to might be easy to get the first nine or ten euros, but the, to get the, the euro that makes it ten euros is often very difficult, and the same applies in research. Um, but I think it's also, I think it's also, the collaboration it also means that you get different insights and different talents from each of the charities in terms of, of promotion and in terms of advocacy, and and that adds significantly to what we can achieve as a community, you know.
0: When you mention, um Uh, from a charity, one of the, I suppose, misnomers or misperceptions is that charities would tend to be fundraisers who then outsource or use their money to fund uh, a third party. But am I reading it that uh, Breakthrough Cancer Research, in effect, as a charity are out there, well, you would be the recipient then of funds from other, other collectors, let's call them, be it, the, yes. uh when so when the conquer cancer campaign which was there in my time i don 't know if that's still uh, uh, uh but that that they would then channel their funds to breakthrough cancer research
2: yeah i think that there's a variety of cancer uh, uh, bodies in the country uh, cancer charities in the country uh cancer Trials Ireland have uh, do some fundraising as well so they so it, 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 there's a multiplicity a multiplicity of of uh, of 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 uh, of Fund fundraisers such as uh, the Mercy Foundation, for instance, or CUH Charity. Um, so each of them has their own USP, and each of them. And I think that for each of them, people look uh, who are choosing to fundraise and and, and feel that their that that what that charity is doing resonates more with them, or there may be a personal uh, reason for it, uh, a service that was provided, a, 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 a family contact. Uh, a, a connection with uh, the, the the projects that
0: are uh, that are are ongoing that they they appeal to them more. Um, so so I think it would be then fair to say that it's very important in a situation like this that something tangible coming through is there for the public to be able to see this is actually what my money does. That this is. is- uh, and that this this is the result. So uh, while I might hear nothing other than appeals or the letter comes through the mailbox looking for money, that this is now where it goes and this is what they do. Um so you mentioned there, Seamus, about cost. Um, and as a result, you know, we, uh, if I talk a little bit about COVID at the moment and we're hearing very much from the WHO that those the developed world is able to afford um vaccination the same would apply in this situation basically is what you're saying is that we in the developed world somewhat have the luxury of wealth so that uh, in our health system in canada in ireland and in a variety of other places people are able to benefit from this so the cost factor then is it going to be impacted, or do you have to either Orla or Seamus come in this? You have to find a partner who will ultimately, a drug company who would ultimately sign on to be the manufacturer and distributor.
2: Not in this instance because the drugs are widely available. Okay. Um, so there isn't that issue. There isn't patent protection. There isn't um, lack of availability. Lithium is widely available. It was when the Big Bang happened. Billions of years ago, three elements were formed, high helium and lithium. So it's the it's the element that's uh, it's the I mean, it's the backbone of everything you touch, everything you wear, everything you're composed of.
1: Right.
2: So availability is not an issue, which is great.
0: So really, then what you're doing is you're it's not that you're having to get anything new. You're taking what's already on the shelf. And correct. Testing what how it is reacting to what you've already developed and what is already on the shelf in a variety of uh, combinations, and I use the term yes. combination as being what a, what chemotherapy is it's as a component yes so uh,
2: so the, the i mean in cancer medicine at the moment there's a big issue on, on equity of access. There's awareness in minority groups and uh, some non-minority groups that access to care is an issue. So that won't be applied to this treatment, um, as a, because of that, because of the lack of of, uh, of patent protection and the widespread availab- availability of it, uh, which is
0: wonderful. Now, the yeah, other, I, sorry, yeah, go ahead, Orla.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to jump in there where that like what was unique coming out of this was while they tested a load of combinations this combination of two off-patent drugs was what was the most effective and therefore could it was a unique use or an alternative use of an existing drug so there's a lot of built-up information about that that drug already in patients but for like different different maladies than what it's been you know proposed here but like you said earlier you know we're as Seamus was talking about earlier we have a variety of different um, charities in the country who New out of the lab into clinical trial and out to market, you will have to have a pharmaceutical company involved at some point because you'd never be able to afford no charity would the latter part of that of those trials. Um, um, but it's really important that that kind of discovery stuff is happening and that's focused on the patients because ultimately it's a pipeline and we're kind of feeding that pipeline, but we have to understand all the players, because if we want to see those discoveries, get out. And as Seamus said, this is just what's wonderful about this is that it proves effective, it'll be inexpensive, and anybody could use it immediately, you know, pending all the testing, you know.
0: So as a result of it being two um, non-patented products that are already there that you're able to um, combine and and blend, uh, does that mean then that the clinical trial process may not necessarily need to be as long. I would accept always as thorough, but because there's probably a lot of research that has already been done about the individual components, that when you bring them together, you may not have to spend five years doing clinical trials, that it may be two years uh, or whatever. But does it help you along in that fashion also? Uh, so. Uh, I-
2: it's a bit of it's a double-edged sword on the one hand you can get things done more quickly because you've less uh, 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 uh parties to please but on the other hand you lack the funding of of, uh, of the funding resources of pharma so what you gain on one side you lose in another because you've to spend your time fundraising to pay, pay for the study and these large tr- leads large trials are significant they're a significant cost ultimately you're probably looking at government funding to pay uh, to pay for a, a trial of the magnitude that you'd need to, to be able to prove the this in in clinical in clinical work, but that's I would love to get to that stage because that would be nice. That would mean we've got that that we've shown the combination is safe and we can do it re- re- regularly, you know.
0: And of course, the the results of any trial, um, as we said, the proof is in the pudding and you only know if it has been really successful after, be it five or ten years, because if you're trying to say that this will successfully help somebody extend their life for five or ten years, you're not in a position to say that until the clock has ticked. Yes.
2: Uh, unfortunately, with the kind of cancers
0: that we're dealing with, uh, sh- uh,
2: uh, you would probably see over a couple of you uh, 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 a trial where half the patients got one drug, one combination, and half got the new combination, uh, it, it wouldn't take long to demonstrate that degree of benefit, unfortunately, right. because of the prognosis of the patients to begin with. Fantastic. So what's the next step? The ne- I mean, our plan at the moment is to complete what we started. That's, I think that's the number one, two, three, four. That's, uh, 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 um, and then as things go on, start to think of the next step. Right. but the plan at the moment is to is to focus on on getting the current patients that are on the study and the future patients safely through it and um and this has been uh, 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 Orla and breakthrough have been fantastic in terms of of their support for what we've done so far and also in terms of promoting it because uh, uh, awareness is important and it's great for people to see that what they've Paid for in the lab is coming now into the clinic that has gone from pipette to patient. I think that that's really important. You know, it's that transparency and that uh, is really important that the, 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 um, our news release got a lot of, of publicity on World Cancer Day. And I think that a uh, part of it, part of it was that people needed to hear a good news story in the, la- in the current cycle. Um, and they need, they need, and it was great to be able to say we've we started, after a long gestation, we've started, we're, we're up and running. I, I think that um, our new cycles have been uh, very traumatic for the last two years in healthcare. It's nice to have a good story to, to start 2022 with.
0: What I'm hearing is that there would appear to be in this case, particularly a really strong cost-benefit analysis that I know you, you mentioned, James, that drugs, some, the drug program can be as high as €4,000 a month. But if you're dealing with two non-patent products that can come together and it's going to go out the door uh, relatively affordably, that the benefits to the health system greatly would outweigh uh, what would be the costs. Uh, So again, I guess part of the challenge you guys have is to be able to present and convince that cost-benefit analysis. Yes. Yes yeah i mean if if this was
2: effective, it would be really swimming against the tide of all of the developments in cancer therapeutics that have occurred in the last 20 years right. where each at each advance is 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 more expensive than the previous one
0: right well that's it's powerful, and um I know both of you are very, very busy, um and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I know you're suffering from milder weather than we are. We're in the minus 20s at the moment, so <laughs> um, I'm,
1: um,
0: well. there, there uh, are, um, uh, I know while you might have rain, you you wouldn't have anything, it would be about a grand soft day there probably, is it? It's a grand soft day here, yes. <laughs>
1: Very <Yeah>. mild. <laughs>
0: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, well, we're literally on ice. So uh, I want to thank you both, Orla and Seamus, for taking the time and congratulations. And uh, hopefully things move along at the pace that you would like and that you can achieve the timelines and uh, we all get the benefit. And as I say, me being in that age group where this is particularly relevant, um, that should I need professional uh, help, that what you guys are doing is there for me.
1: Fingers Thank crossed you very you much. Fingers crossed you won't ever need it. <laughs> okay. yes. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank episode. you
2: very much.